Tonight we continue our series on the Gospel of John. The black books around you are the Bibles. Reading the end of chapter 4 today, this is found on page 865 in your pew Bibles. Page 865. Read verses 43 through 54. Hear the word of the Lord. When the two days in Samaria were over, Jesus went from that place to Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in the prophet's own country. When he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival, for they too had gone to the festival. Then Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had changed the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you all see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my little boy dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. As he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover, and they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he himself believed, along with his whole household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. You may find it helpful to have that open or near you. So students go to Hogwarts <laughs> to learn how to control magic, to learn how to say the right things and do their wand in the right way, to figure out how to put this much with this much and make the potion that's going to do the thing that they want it to do. They go to Hogwarts to figure out how to use the right words and the right actions to make the right result. And they are taught that if they do the right thing in the right way at the right time, it will happen. Whatever they want to have happen will happen. They can control it. They can manipulate it. They can use the magic to their own ends. There are people who treat their relationship with God like that. If I do this... If I pray in this way, if I fast, if I give, if I do these things, then God has to do this. Many years ago, there was something circling through the American Christian community about the prayer of Jabez. And there was this idea that if you just prayed the prayer of Jabez, which is this tiny little prayer tucked deep into the Old Testament, then God would just bless you and expand your horizons. All you had to do was like pray the prayer and God would do the thing. You know what that's called? Magic. (laughs) If I just do this, then God has to do that. And people also flip it. If God does this, then I'll do that. If God heals my friend, 
then I'll believe. If God fixes my illness, I'll go back to church. You also see this in the sitcoms and movie variety of how to pray. Someone gets into a crisis and they look up to the sky and they say something like, Hi, God. We haven't talked in a while. But I'm in a bit of a jam here, and if you could get me out, I'd really appreciate it. If you, if you save me, I'll, um, I'll uh, stop drinking. Um, if you save me, I'll, uh, I'll uh, be nice to my mother-in-law. Uh, just get me out of this. Conditional. If you do this, I'll do that. That's not faith. That's magic. And that's the backdrop for the story that we read here. You see, Jesus has just been in Jerusalem where he did a number of miracles. And now he's back. And the reason that the Galileans welcome him, right after the verse where it says, he's not welcomed in his own town, the Galileans welcomed him. It's like, wait, what? The Galileans welcome him because they're like, oh, he's going to do some cool stuff up by us. Let's go. Do the tricks. Do the tricks. That's the background. That's what's happening. In fact, if you flip your Bible page back to the very end of chapter 2, verse 23, 24, 25, it says this, When Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. So that's the backdrop to this story. He gets to Galilee. He gets to Cana, where he turned the water into wine. And he's in this space, and into this space comes a royal official from Capernaum, which is about a 15-mile walk away. So this man has walked from Capernaum all the way from the edge of the Sea of Galilee up into the hills, up toward Cana. And he comes and he begs Jesus to come back with him to Capernaum to heal his son. And Jesus' response feels a bit cold, doesn't it? Unless you all see signs and wonders, you won't believe. It's like... That seems harsh. The guy's asking for a little help for his boy. But the rebuke here is similar to the exchange he had last time he was in Cana. Remember that? His mom comes to him and says, they have no more wine. And he says, what does that have to do with you and me? And if you were here, you remember that the reason he said that to her was to be really clear, I don't take orders from you anymore, mom. I take orders from someone else. And that's exactly what he's doing here, both to the royal official and to the people who are watching and listening. To the royal official, who was most likely somebody who worked for Herod Antipas, who was a son of Herod the Great and in charge of that reason, the royal official had power, had authority, had wealth. We don't know if he was a Roman. We don't know if he was a Jew. But if he was a Jew, the other Jews probably saw him as a sellout because he worked for Herod. But he comes to Jesus 
and says, will you please come back with me to Capernaum and heal my son? And Jesus gives this rebuke of sorts. Unless you all see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And that is to say to everybody, like, I get who you are. I get what you're looking for. I get that you want the show. But the dad, like Jesus' mom back in chapter 2, keeps asking. He's like, I know. I understand. I do not have authority over you. I do not have power over you. I am come supplicating, asking, begging, come back with me to Capernaum and heal my son. The official knows he has no power. He is vulnerable. He is desperate. In fact, the word that he uses here for my son, my little boy, is a really tender word in Greek. It's very affectionate and warm. You can hear the desperation in this dad's voice when he says, sir, please, he's going to die if you don't come. So the dad has an imperative. He says, come with me. And Jesus responds with an imperative. He says, go. Go, your son lives. In the translation that you have, it says, will live. But it's actually this, it's already happening. Your son lives. This is happening right now. And so we're told by John that the father believed. And you have to wonder, like, how long did that last? So he's making the way. He's got a 15-mile walk ahead of him. And you think he was like a half mile down the road, maybe two miles down the road before he was like, what have I done? What? Why didn't I bring him with me? And maybe he had a buddy who was with him who was like, you just believed him? Like, what is that about? That was stupid. Do you want me to go back and, like, get some medicine or magic beans or something? Like, we've got to have something. We've got 15 miles to go here, and you're just believing the guy? How does this work? You know, did he get to mile four, and did he have tears in his eyes thinking, I've blown it for my son? Did he get to mile six and feel like, I've totally ruined it, I'm not going to see my son alive again? Did he get to seven and be like, no, it's going to be okay, I know it'll be okay, I could totally trust him, it'll be okay. And then by eight, was it down again? Was it this up and down? And then he sees the servants walking toward him, he spies them on the road, he knows that they're his people. Did his stomach lurch? Did his anxiety spike? Was he studying their faces to see whether or not they were happy or sad? And then they come and they say, your child lives. And he asks a really revealing question. He says, what time? What time did this happen? And they said, one o'clock yesterday. And he knows in that moment, that's what Jesus did. That's when he spoke. And John tells us that he and his whole household believed. And then John adds this really interesting thing to the end. Verse 54. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now he did other signs in Jerusalem that didn't warrant a story. We don't know what he did there then. But this one, 
John wants to set apart. He wants to be sure that we get it clear. This is a sign. Great. Of what? (laughs) Well, in this instance, Jesus speaks and life happens. Fifteen miles away. Jesus speaks and life happens. In what other time in Scripture does someone speak and life happens? Genesis 1, creation? Yes, right, exactly. Yes. And remember how John begins this gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word. And here again, he ties Jesus back to creation to remind people that this isn't just some miracle worker. This isn't a magic man. This isn't a showman. This is the Son of God. He speaks and life happens. This is God. And God doesn't answer to us. We like magic. We like conditions because that gives us control. If you do this, God, I will do that. But if you don't do that, I'm off the hook. I get to control the relationship. This is a story that reminds us that we don't get to play Jesus. We don't get to manipulate him. We don't get to do that with him. This is a story that reminds us that Jesus is sovereign. He is God, the Almighty. He spoke the world into being. He speaks and life happens. You don't play Jesus. But this is also a story that shows us his compassion. He sees this father. He gives the rebuke somewhat to him, but mostly for the other people listening who won't get to see how this particular miracle turns out. Go, he tells him. Your son lives. How did he say that? Was he like, yeah, go, your son lives? Or was he like, Go, 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 go. Your son lives. Go, go, go see him. Go, go, go. Send me a card. Let me know how it works out. Go. <laughs> he, he is so eager that in the moment he speaks, the boy is alive. The boy is healed. The boy is restored. Because Jesus' compassion is deep. And he loves his people And we get tempted to manipulate. We get tempted to play because we don't trust the compassion. We don't trust the love. Because let's be honest, it can be hard sometimes. Some of us are on the walk from Cana to Capernaum and we don't know how things are going to turn out. We're on the walk from this place to this place, and we know that Jesus has spoken promises. We know that there's hope at the end of the story, but we don't know about how to get from here to there. 
And that's where this story reminds us of the compassion of our Jesus. That he is the one who is with us. That he is the one we can trust. Maybe you were in chapel on Wednesday when Sharon Panny was here and she was talking about uh, a little girl that her family knows. And this little girl was born with hands like this, all rolled up into balls. And Sharon's dad and a few other people fasted and prayed for three days. And much to their delight, the little girl's hands were released. She's totally fine, whole, able to hold pencils and crayons. Now, every time we fast and pray for something, is that the result? No, it's not. Why? Because we can't play God. What God invites is a relationship where we come and we pray and we fast and we say, please do this. This matters to us. She's at the point of death. He's at the point of death. I'm at the point of death. Please. Please do something in this experience. Please do something in this relationship. Please do something in my body. Please do something. Please. And the risk, of course, is that sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no. And the temptation, when we get a no, is to fall back on manipulation, is to fall back on taking control. Well, he said no, so I'm out. I'm not going to trust him anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore. He said no to that thing, and I'm out. Because we want control. And Jesus says instead, let's have a relationship where you trust me with your life where you trust my sovereignty and my compassion, where you look for what I am up to in your life every day. And the times when I say no, take a breath, wait, watch, because your story's not done yet. And you can trust me with the whole of your story, not just this little event right here, but you can trust me with the whole of your story and the whole of the creation's story. You can trust me with the whole thing. And I know right now it is hard to believe. I know right now it is hard to see. I know right now it's hard to take a step back and imagine that things could be moving in the right direction, but they are. Because Jesus is sovereign over everything. And he has already conquered the enemy. And we have these little battles that we wage against the enemy, but we know that the war has been won. And so Jesus says, I want you to trust my sovereignty and trust my power and trust that I've got the whole world in my hands and I want you to trust my compassion. That I can show up in your life in beautiful and tender ways. It's tempting to want the magic, but the magic is all about us. It's better to want Jesus.
because Jesus is all about us too, but in a really beautiful way. Trust his sovereignty. Trust his compassion. Amen. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who spoke and life began. Forgive us when we want to manipulate things. Forgive us when we place conditions on this relationship. And call us instead to deeper trust. Call us instead to to remember who you are and what you have done for us and what you have yet to do. Thank you for this testimony from this father. Thank you that he and his household believed. And we pray that for us. May our faith grow deep. May we believe more. May we trust you. We pray this in your name. Amen.